Hey guys, and welcome to the Bare Naked Health Podcast, where I interview the absolute best health and wellness practitioners from across the globe to show you what they do so you can do it too. This is because, like you, I did not always feel that health was easy. I had tried different diets, exercise plans, but often felt misled by an industry that really thrives on you not getting healthy and always spending money on the next new thing. Because of this, I'm getting bare naked on health and pulling back the curtain to show you that being truly healthy is simple. Wherever you are in your health journey, I want to show you that with minimal effort, you can get maximum results and do what you love. Play with your kids, go for a hike, and crush it in your business all while feeling great. To give a kickstart, I encourage you to go over to BarenakedHealthPodcast.com to access my calendar and schedule a 15-minute call so we can discuss what is your biggest struggle when it comes to maintaining your health. Remember that I'm a holistic lifestyle coach and that the show is really sponsored by you guys. Each of you that works with me that I am able to take on as a client helps me to be able to keep putting out these podcasts for free. So I just want to thank you, each of you, for your love and support. Hey guys, I'm your host, Nick Horowski, and welcome to the Bare Naked Health Podcast, episode number 92. In today's episode, I interview an amazing old soul, Matt Sorensen. Be sure to stick around for the end of the show to hear all about Matt's transformational year, why the universe is always talking to you, as well as Matt's incredible connection with Mother Nature. Alrighty guys, welcome back to another episode of the Bare Naked Health Podcast. And on the line today, I have Matt Sorensen. Matt, first question I ask everybody who comes on the show is, tell us about your health journey in 10 sentences or less. 10 sentences. Approximately, uh, well, hi, yeah. Thanks for, thanks for having me. For um, sure, for sure. My journey, first of all, it started, I suppose, leaving school, not fitting in at school. My perception of not fitting in at school and leaving school to become a greenkeeper, which led me into this, you know, the study of the soil, I guess, which led, then led me into nutrition, which then led me into personal training, which led, led, then led me to strength conditioning, which led me into massage therapy and the Czech program. And uh, here talking to you, I guess. <laughs> Well, I wasn't counting, but I'm assuming that was less than 10. No, and I'm curious then, off of that, what have been some of the most uh, pivotal shifts that you've made? Like you said, like just even the study of the soil, any of those things that have really just had maybe the most profound impact on you? Yeah, it um, it kind of hit me, but it's it something that I uh, – one of those things that you realized something that you've always known at those kinds of things. When I was studying the soil from a greenkeeping angle, uh, everything related back to the soil, um, the way you cut the grass, the way you spread the grass, the way you prepared it. I mean, it, it all came from the soil, no matter how, no matter what you did, no matter how you cut the cake, it, it always came back to the soil. And I found leading into the study of nutrition, it's exactly the same thing. You can't, you can't separate the soil from how you feel, um, how you feel dictates, you know, where you got your food from, where you got your food from comes from the soil, essentially. Um, even if you eat, um, lots of meat, the meat 
you know, the source of the meat, the cow or the, you know, whatever you've eaten has come from the soil. It's eaten something from in the soil. So you can't, uh, you can't really escape that. And I kind of thought you might say something like that. So I'm curious, like, uh, beyond, I guess, just like, because I'm sure the studying of the soil for, uh, like maintaining the grass, uh, like that I mean, might be different than maintaining it on like a ranch for animals or something like that. Now, sure. have you studied a lot of that then? Like either maybe like organics, biodynamics, any of those types of things? Oh, I have studied the soil science um, more specifically to turf management, mm-hmm. but more really specifically to sports turf management, which is a whole other field in itself, taking care of golf courses, tennis courts, bowling greens, etc. With that came, that just kind of sparked my interest in essentially where food came from. And food is grown in the soil. And a good mate of mine when I was growing up had a farm about six hours drive away where I grew up. And every summer I would, um, I'd visit that farm and I'd just be fascinated of, uh, you know, the farmer's knowledge of the soil. And it is vastly different um, farming soil to preparing soil for like an event. The um, it is as it's two different worlds. There in farming, this um, the soil's a lot more nourished and nurtured. Where in sports turf management, it's um, prepared and kind of they try to they try to control it in, in you know in some aspects, but that's you know, 70% dependent on the weather. So you really only have 30% control with that. As whereas um, the farming aspect or the nutrition aspect, it's more of a um, take it as it comes slash nurture whatever comes and just kind of take it as it comes, really. And just um, supporting whatever happens and you can only work with what you've got. So... No, and that makes Very a lot of sense. Yeah. yeah, because I guess I, I, I'm I'm intrigued by it. It's not something that like I feel like I really want to study a lot, but I'm still uh, very intrigued by the importance of the soil just because I know what it means for myself, for my family. I mean, for really the entire world because of what they're eating is just going to be so affected by that. Uh, I mean, it, at least here in the U.S., like the topsoil has just been completely eroded across much of the country just based on just all the mass agriculture uh how is that Absolutely, really uh, yeah. like but for, for you guys down in australia and then like how is it uh either like what is done down there how is that being handled is, is there uh, a big movement to really restore a lot of that topsoil then too i would love to say that we aren't following you guys in the destruction of topsoil but it would be an absolute lie um it's funny because culturally speaking, we look at America and think, oh, they're doing this, you know, that's stupid. We shouldn't do that. But then we just do exactly <laughs> what, what you guys do. And it's funny because New Zealand looks at us, then looks at Americans and says, well, they're just following them. That's stupid. And they just follow what we do. So it's, um, it's a funny little loop. But um, no, we're, we're fastly approaching you guys. We're trying to uh, catch you up as fast as we can. And um, I know in topsoil, uh, you guys, I think, have eroded, this is back in the 90s, 60% of your farmable topsoil 
I'm not sure what the statistics are here in Australia. It would be a little bit less purely because we have less uh, farmable topsoil and surface area to farm. Um, however, I can tell you the correlating obesity rates are significantly higher now in Australia. I think even more in New Zealand now than America, just per capita. Um, so yeah, we're 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 trying to chase you guys. <laughs> Not something you want to follow along with, unfortunately. <laughs> no, no, it's not the uh, the number one plan, but that's just the, the way it's happening at the moment. So, Matt, like switching gears, I'm I'm curious because I, I looked into um, some of the things that you were doing, like with like the Barrel Institute, like you do acupuncture, correct as well. Uh, what have been like because the visceral manipulation, those types of things, really intrigue me, and I have been looking into uh, taking some courses over here but what have you found uh most profound or most enlightening i guess uh either for yourself in your practice or from what your clients really uh get out of using those uh for them yeah man it's um it's actually really powerful stuff i've found Um, not only working with myself but working with um, clients and patients as well um and not only them friends and family too it's it's impacted it can impact a lot of lot of lives how i got into it essentially was working as a massage therapist working on soft tissues joints ligaments etc wasn't really getting the results that i personally wanted for the client Uh, yeah we you know we achieved some things but in my mind i just had a soul knowing that ah, we could do something else here there's something else that could be done Um, and then it wasn't until I found out about the Borel Institute. Jean-Pierre Borel was—he's a French osteopath. He's an absolute genius. He's, um, in my opinion, he's up there with Paul Check, just with one of those guys that makes you look at the, the body a completely different way. And Jean-Pierre Borel's been an osteo for 45 years or something like that, and he discovered visceral manipulation through um, looking at cadavers. And he noticed that all the cadavers that he came in, he was he was the person performing the cadaver for medical students. And he noticed that all the ones that he that he received that came in had shoulder dysfunctions. And he noticed every time he moved the shoulder, the viscera would go with the shoulder. What he did in the cadaver was mobilize the organs and the shoulder freed up. So he noticed the correlating pattern. And um, he tried that with patients in life and he freed freed the organs and the shoulder uh, freed up and he uh, he's the kind of guy that wouldn't he wouldn't note anything down if he did if he didn't do it at least 200 200 successful um, trials in his own practice which in itself is kind of cool uh, so you know anything that comes out of his mouth tried you know hundreds and hundreds of times and he's developed these courses and it's um, You've heard, you might have heard Paul talk about that each organ has a physical function, mental function, emotional function, a spiritual function. Well, you can actually affect someone's emotional state working with the organ itself. And I've had a um, patient this morning actually with like real bad, real bad anxiety, and we hold anxiety in the stomach. So I mobilize the stomach, and you can just feel the energy could change in the person completely. And Essentially, all you're doing with visceral manipulation is opening up the pathway between organ and brain to get the 
organ brain communication happening and just decreasing the tension and the, the body will do amazing things when there's less tension in the whole system and that's essentially what visceral manipulation is just relieving the tension now i i, I mean because I, i've seen people talk about this as far as like just doing more of an abdominal release um but i'm curious like okay is this necessarily going to have carryover in the same manner or is it more that it might just be decreasing abdominal tone and that's like laying on uh something like a soccer ball or like the end of a kettlebell like kind of getting up in there and just rolling around like mobilizing on any tight spots uh do you think that has the same carryover or was that one those you might want to watch out for actually doing because you don't know kind of where you're poking out at yeah it's a um i'll have to answer that with the word depends um Absolutely, depending yeah. on how <laughs> how heavy the kettlebell is for example well, no, it'd be more like you, you kind of lay down on it so you can control the amount of pressure that you're putting down there. Yeah. the um, I personally am not a big fan of the kettlebell on the on the abdominal release trick. Personally, because I've worked with the organs for so long, I know how soft they actually are. And if you're doing the kettlebell on the abdominal trick, um, you can actually have an adverse effect adverse effects, sorry, in, um, the best way I can explain it is if you're, if you have a lot of tension in your body, a lot of um, sympathetic dominance, if you, someone goes to touch you, you'll kind of automatically tone up and, you know, reflexively fight back straight away. That's essentially what you're going to do with the weight on your abdominal, uh, on the weight on your abdominal wall. So the best way to approach an organ is basically to come in as soft as humanly possible because the organs are an extremely sensitive part of the body. The hard frame is essentially there to protect the softer structures inside. So, I mean, to answer the question, yes, there is a place for it. You have to, to prescribe it to someone, you really have to know what you're doing. Hey, you have to know where stuff is. Um, there's a lot of anatomy uh, to get through. I've seen a lot of practitioners go to do the manual psoas release. Um, even to do that, I mean, you have to go through at least, you know, anywhere between six, seven, eight, even nine, eight or nine different layers of fascia and tissue just to get to the psoas. Um, and there's a lot of stuff in the way. So it's uh, like the small intestine. It's a very soft organ. It's very easy to to annoy and irritate. Um, and even that will if you irritate that that'll cause a myriad of, of other stuff as well no Matt, i think that's a good point because i i've seen just other practitioners um like when i'm in the clinic and they'll they'll just like oh yeah dive in like oh yeah that's your show i was right there i'm like you just jumped on their stomach yeah. kind of it yeah. <laughs> and like you automatically stuff, yeah. assume that that's the show uh yeah the cell has, has a completely different feel to um, any organ. Any muscle has a very different feel to any organ. It's about, with the visceral manipulation, it's essentially about training your hand um, t to know what the feeling is because fascia has a different feeling to organ, to, to artery, to nerve, to vein, to uh, dense organ, to hollow organ, etc., etc. It's all They all have a different feel. 
So essentially, it's about training your hand to do that. And un- unless you know that, I wouldn't be poking around <laughs> in that little playground. No, so then I, I, I kind of want to take this then, because you've also studied uh, like, with Guy Boyer, correct? Sure, yep. So now there, I mean, you get some like more of the myofascial uh, stretching, that type of thing. Would you more commonly maybe prescribe that for somebody for home use rather than laying on a kettlebell or soccer ball to like roll around to help open up something, whether it just be even like the abdominal wall, the psoas, something like that? Yeah. I, I mean, the patient comes in and they, you, you look at them and you assess them, but be it subjectively or objectively, you'll, you'll see this, for example, they need a psoas stretch. I will happily show them um, a Swiss ball stretch a myofascial release stretch. Typically, the Guy-Boyer stuff's very um, detailed. It's very... Uh, I mean, anatomy... Uh, his knowledge of anatomy is brilliant. Um, however, I've found, just through my experience, and it could be just me, um, I don't know about other guys that have, or other people that have taken um, Guy-Boyer's course, but they're very, very technical, uh, very anatomy anatomically based very biomechanically based so giving that kind of a stretch to a i mean a lay person can be very daunting for the person i found and i started off as soon as i did the course you know you get all this new information you think oh cool i'm gonna give this to everyone you get them to do it and then in front of you for that minute sure it's great it works fine but then you get them you take they take that home with them and the next time you see that, oh, no, I forgot all about it. I didn't know all the little bits and blah, 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 blah. Um, so then you try and videotape it and even write points down, and it still doesn't really carry over that well to it. Um, so this is, I suppose, where Paul's stuff comes in because he's taking something so complex and made it as simple as humanly possible. And I find, personally, in my own clinically experienced that's what people follow more as much as you'd love to give all the technical stuff and just shout all your knowledge to everyone um, a lot of people can't really handle their day let alone the most technical stretch known to mankind i i I think i'm like i'm halfway on the fence with you on this one too because i haven't taken any classes but I've worked with some practitioners that have, uh, I mean, I've read a lot, I've watched a lot of his stuff and it's one of those, like you said, all right, I can just go in boom, 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 like kind of fix all of the points that are needed, but trying to do that with somebody and then they'll come in the next time and they have it kind of right. <laughs> I mean, yeah. Right. But- so, I mean, I've had people go home with, this is say three LDLs, um, three segmental LDLs for certain parts of their spine. And, I mean, people argue with you about eating organic and drinking enough water. They're not going to sit down <laughs> and do the old doers by themselves willingly. Um, as much as I would love them to, don't get me wrong, if they could, awesome, let's do it. Um, but in reality, I've just found that it's, I mean, from a client's perspective, perspective, it's, it's, it's seemingly way too much. But again, then I think part of that does come down to almost what we were just talking about then too it's like their commitment to it if you will like if somebody's course, like absolutely. diving all into it then i think they're gonna they're gonna pick up they're gonna listen to every single way you oh they're gonna love finger, it. like absolutely head, like yeah. so, so that certainly yeah. helps too <laughs> yeah i have some clients who are 
absolute attention to detail. And they love the technical stuff, and they're the ones that thrive on it. And they obviously get the—I mean—they get the best results, and they—they they heal the fastest. They get—they feel good, they move good, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. It's um, there. I mean, how many of those walk through your through your doors? Depends on the so, day. I know exactly, <laughs> exactly. Um, I know just from my own—I'm only talking from my experience where most people argue about drinking enough water, you know, so um, just doing that. that's where I usually like to try and start because yeah. I, I feel yeah, like right? it's probably the most bang for your buck and the easiest thing you could really implement. Yeah, I so, said, well, if you're not going to do this stretch or this exercise, let's just, you know, convince them that 600 mils of water a day isn't quite enough. We need to up that number just a little bit. And, and for, them, for most people, in my experience, that's, that's a debate in itself. So we're talking about all these different uh, schools of thought then here. Uh, what's your current area of study? What are you just geeking out on right now? Is it any of these manual techniques or stretching te techniques we've been talking about or something different? I'm still into the visceral stuff. Um, I'm getting into the neural manipulation and the uh, vascular, vascular manipulation as well, um, kind of learning the different layers of the body. Um, and I'm getting ready for CP4 next year as well um, congratulations on that yes thank you and um teaching exercise coach as well which is always fun um i'm mentor mentoring a few trainers as well in um, fitness first in australia which is always interesting they always have everyone has their own little background and stories to tell and they're always surprised to hear um I guess how the body works, you could you could call it, without sounding arrogant. Um, but uh, for my focus at the moment is more on it's heavily anatomy based, heavily biomechanically based, and um, I guess so. I've worked very closely with a chiropractor for the last ten or so years, so I'm always learning from him. Uh, not necessarily techniques to to manipulate, but just. The, the intricate anatomy that they learn as well and just the world through their eyes um, it's just very interesting combining that with personal training and the visceral stuff as well it's just very um, it's very interesting kind of seeing it from all those all those angles I mean, to answer the question I'm not really focusing on anything in particular um, I'm the kind of person who you feel first then think um, you know, I'll release something in a body not exactly knowing what it is. I mean, very light pressure, of course. I wouldn't go in um, with a kettlebell. But uh, just releasing something very light, then opening up the anatomy book that night and wondering what the hell I did. <laughs> Whatever I did, it worked. So. And that's really all that matters when it comes down to yeah. it. Yeah. So, yeah, that's sometimes that's what you do. How about maybe? <laughs> I was gonna say, do, have you made any uh, recent changes to your health, or what was maybe the biggest thing that you've uh, changed recently that really had a profound impact for you? Whether that be, hey, talking what you ate, even what you're studying, how you're moving, how you're sleeping, anything like that. Yeah, it's been a. To be honest, it's been a really interesting year for me thus far. It's um, it's been the most eventful year from. Uh, to date and I guess life the universe great spirit however you want to put that um, 
has thrown me a lot of curveballs and has thrown a lot of challenges up, you know, on my doorstep. And I've found, to be honest, I've found doing a lot of um, Tai Chi, doing a lot of kind of self-reflection, doing a lot of um, listening, not only to myself, to my body, but really listening to what other people are saying has um, made a massive influence on my life and where I'm at in my journey. It's um, I can't really give you a direct answer on that just because so many different things have happened. A lot of stresses, a lot of um, opposite of stress, whatever that word is I can't think of at the moment, um, has happened as well. It's It's been one of those years. And just listening to my body and not going through the have to work out today or have to do this, have to do that. It's like, okay, so what do I feel like doing today? I feel like doing some Tai Chi. Cool, let's just do that. No, I feel like lifting some some heavy shit. Let's do that. Okay, cool. Um, Diet-wise, I'm I'm not too strict as long as it's it's kind of 80, 90% organic. I'm, I'm all for it. The... I mean, chocolate to ice cream to steak to liver to vegetables, whatever. Um, I just listen. I've uh, spent, especially with the the Czech program, you uh, invest a lot of time into learning how to listen to your body and it's always talking to you 24-7. And if I hadn't known that this year, there's a good chance – I'd be on a lot of medication and a lot of, um, well, probably in a mental home, to be honest with you. <laughs> but uh, it's just listening to your body, what it needs day to day. Um, I eat what my body tells me to eat day to day, week to week, season to season. Um, yeah, there's no real simple way to answer that. It's, uh, it's just, it's very, you know, as it comes really so now i'm i agree with you on that like i i still will change up really what i'm eating i mean sometimes drastically uh do you think people that are very like uh uh just it has to be this way like do you you find that certain types of people struggle with that i guess is where i'm getting at because i that's what i've noticed like for myself like some people they just can only handle if you tell them these are this is kind of the exact way or the exact ratios or whatever it is, but then other people are very open to that interpretation. Like, all right, here are some basic guidelines. Run with it. Oh, one hundred percent. I've had this conversation daily with people where some people are very open to changing what they're doing. It's clearly, if they're on my treatment table or if they're, you know, in the gym with me, there's something hasn't been working for them. Um, in my local gym, I'm known as the, as the witch doctor because all this eating organic and visceral manipulation stuff is all witchcraft to a lot of people. Um, it's just one of those areas where it's very ego. I mean, I live on the suburb, southern beaches in Sydney where it's very kind of ego-based and it's what you how you look and blah, 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 blah. Um, and 
yeah, as I said, if if you're in front of me, then something hasn't been working. So, you know, in that theory, something's got to change, right? Where some people think, well, you know, this what you did for that person worked, so whatever you're going to do for me is going to work as well. So, okay, well, let's try eating some good food for a change and let's try drinking some more water. Oh, no, 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 that's a load of crap. My doctor said that's crap. I just need to take this pill and go away. Okay, what do you want me to do? It's um, that, you know, you deal with those people. Some people just sort of hang off every word you say. And, you know, you just tell them to eat organic for a few months just to detox their system and they, oh, God, I feel great. I can't believe I haven't been doing this the whole time. Or, yeah, I've got, you know, diagnosed as a disc issue and you told me to drink more water and, yeah, like 80% of my pain's gone. Yeah, it's a miracle, isn't it? Um, <laughs> it's yeah, people are different. It's um, I used to go into into the with the approach of um, you know who everyone came in. I'd have to give them all the information I had in my head. Um, eat this, eat that, drink this, meditate, tai chi. You know, everyone got that kind of spiel. And I learnt very fast that that didn't work with everyone. I had to speak their language, um, whatever worked for them. Have to meet them at their level. And as much as a lot of time, you just had to bite your tongue, especially with the people close to you. You just had to bite your tongue at what they were doing and think, okay, yep, sure, I've got an idea. Let's try doing this way. Um, Sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. As you hit on it before, some people are ready to hear it, some people aren't. Um, I guess people come into your life at a certain time for a certain reason. Some people are ready, some people aren't. And um, I guess in any relationship, be it personal, professional, whatever, it, I mean, you have to take 50% of that on, you know, onto you if... If you come to me and you weren't ready to hear what I say, then I have to take 50% of that as potentially not communicating that in the correct way for you to hear it, the way you needed to hear it, if that kind of makes sense. And so, I think that, no, that it's that, hey, there's two sides to all the relationships. and Yeah, absolutely. You have to look at what you're putting into it, what you're getting out of it, everything in order to... I think understand yourself, but understand where the other person is coming from. I'm, I'm looking at yeah. it almost from a coaching standpoint right now, but this could be, I, this is still applies to really any relationship that you're in. Of course. Yeah, absolutely. I've had, oh, I've, I've butted heads with a lot of people. I've been, I've trained a lot of CEOs and they they seem to be the, the hardest heads with, um, in, you know, in their approach to, they know everything in the world and, they don't really get told what to do. So telling them, not really telling them, telling them is the wrong word. It's just sort of, you know, just try drinking more water. But I, I, when I first started out, um, especially when I was an exercise coach, I was like, okay, you have to drink more water. You have to do this. You have to do that. And I was just met with a brick wall every time. So it ended up with me pulling my hair out and thinking, what the hell? What's wrong with these people? Where in reality it was just me, not communicating the right way that comes in to the uh, self-reflection I suppose just looking in the mirror and say well you know we need to take a different approach I need to be softer in my approach I need to talk their language it's uh, 
yeah, you have to be quite adaptable to a lot of people. I'm curious, going off almost like on the self-reflection thing, uh, what has been maybe, either what is maybe do you think the most important question that you've asked yourself, or just in general, what is like something people should really always question in their minds for themselves to really help with that growth as a person? Great question. Um, I would say if I had to pick one, or even just probably, a general topic, maybe to, to yeah, really look it, into. It would probably be for me personally, um, and I've been through a lot of stuff this year, good and bad. It's just, it's, as I said before, one of those years. Um, for me, it was a lot of. So how do I feel about that? Why am I feeling that? Why am I reacting to that? Or why do I want to react to that? What's making me feel this way? Um, let's just give you an example. At the start of the year, I broke up with my fiance, and even though it was me who initiated the breakup, it was still one of the most stressful events in my life to date, purely because I felt so much guilt in calling the wedding off, you know, five weeks out. Whoops. Um, and just the pressure build up to that was leading up to it. Was like, why do I feel this? This is horrible what what's going on um and dissecting that breaking it down also afterwards you know during the breakup how do i feel what why do i feel this way um and then for me on the flip side of that is purposely seeking out that good feeling thought and realigning myself with me um i kind of realized that when I wasn't feeling good, I wasn't in line with myself. That makes sense. I wasn't in line with my purpose. I wasn't in line with my dream. I wasn't I wasn't on the train to where I want to go. I was off the track. Um, going through all that stuff helped me go back onto it. Um, it's one of those kinds of things where you have to walk through hell to get to heaven sort of thing. And um, and those are the questions I, I constantly ask is, you know, what do I feel? Why do I feel this way? And if I feel good, then great. I'll f- keep doing what makes me feel good. <laughs> and uh, if I feel bad, why do I feel bad? What will make me feel good? What's a, what's a, a thought or feeling that's going to, you know, get me back to that and um, keep following that? Because, I mean, you're going to attract no matter what you what you keep thinking, that's what you're going to track into your life. Um, and that was actually a, a C, a, sorry, a, an audio CD that Paul sent me. And when he first sent me it, I was like, what is he sending this to me for? And um, it was just pretty much about eight hours of audio just on that kind of stuff. And I was listening to it. And the more I listened to it, it was just like, ah, okay. <laughs> Fair enough. I get it. Yep. And uh, yeah, so it's, that's that's the question I ask myself uh, very regularly. Well, thank you for sharing that, Matt. I, I, that was yeah. I could just hear in your voice, like just how deeply you really were. I mean, I think just in the moment right now, like you were feeling that, <laughs> thinking about that. Uh, so really, thank you for sharing that. Uh, and I, I think that's something that 
people really should appreciate. Uh, not just, I mean, what we're talking here, but okay, going out like after after they've listened to this and maybe thinking about that for themselves, like really, how am I feeling? Like, what what why am I feeling this way? What what really caused it? And or what is good about it? What is bad about it? I mean, all of that reflection on it is really going to have a profound impact on really just overall well-being absolutely i mean i don't know how many people are going to listen to this if one person gets just you know monitoring how you're feeling um plays a massive part on just the physical mental emotional spiritual how however deep you want or need to go it's um it's it's huge just paying attention to what's going on intrinsically i know a lot of people are, con- are conditioned to believe to feel a certain way to think a certain way to act a certain way etc um, and a few very close people to me are like that and it's heartbreaking to see and to watch and to kind of live that with them to a certain degree um but for my own kind of my own own sanity it's um yeah yeah you have to i mean essentially you can't give what you don't have right so as a coach we give ourselves to our clients as partners we give ourselves to our partners and i can't give myself to a partner what i don't have so i need to go deep into me to be able to give to them it's as simple as that really and i just feel and i can't talk for a lot of people in general i'm just speaking from my own experience and what i see in my local community but a lot of people have lost touch with that so we're talking about again a lot of this self-reflection uh really just trying to almost better ourselves i guess but what is then maybe the most the, the thing that you're just most excited about right now Right now, to be honest, it's uh, the surf tomorrow morning. It's been a few days. It's been uh, hasn't been much swell, and um, the forecast looks pretty good. So, fingers crossed. Uh, but on a more serious note, I'm looking forward to the future. Um, 2016 for me has been. It's like a. Uh, I feel like it's been a warm up. And 2017 just, you know, on some level just feels like it's, it's game time. It's ready to play the game. Whatever that means, I don't know yet. Um, but I'm looking forward to finding out. So that's, uh, that's what I'm looking forward to. And I know what I know today won't be near as much as what, I know, what I'll know in a month's time to what I know in six months' time. And imagine what I'll know in 12 months' time and how many people I'll be able to change and how much I'll be able to help myself on, you know, multiple levels. So it's only up from here. Well, it was funny because one of the other questions that I wanted to ask you because of uh, just mentioning, like, some of the beaches a little bit before uh, was really just, like, what is your favorite thing or what is the most beautiful thing in nature? Uh, so if you want to maybe expand upon that, either with the beaches, the surf, anything like that. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I, mate, I've grown up on the beaches, so for me, just being out in the surf, it's one of those things where you can kind of just put your hands in the water, sit on the board, 
doesn't matter if it's good or bad. You, I mean, you're in the water. You kind of look back at the land. You think, ah, all my troubles are over there. <laughs> I can relax out here, <laughs> relax out here for a bit, um, and just take that in. For me, nature's uh, well, we are products of nature. There's no real separation. Uh, for me, it's the it's the ego that's you know it gives you the illusion that we're separate from the trees, the water. Etc. I'd go quite deep on that, but I won't just for now. Um, and it's it's funny because like I, I I train a, a psychic client. She's a psychic medium, and years and years ago, she told me that the universe is always talking to you. And at the time, I was you know relatively young, trainer wise, and didn't pay that much attention. That just that sentence for all. For me, always stuck out, and I remember there was a period of time for about a month. Um, lady beetles would just seem to follow me around everywhere. They were on my car. They would land on me when I was outside. Um, just everywhere, just everywhere I went, lady beetles surrounded me. And then I remember, I think it was HLC one or HLC two. I did with Paul back in the day. And he said the same thing, the universe is always talking to you. And that was just one of those light bulb moments. That, Ooh, that's the second time I've heard that. There's something here. And he was saying that, you know, for all the animals are talking to you all the time. And someone in the class argued about it, but I, I kind of got it in that instant that each animal had a, you know, had a symbol or each, you know, plant, animal, everything has a symbol. So I looked up, you know, the shamanic, meaning of uh, the ladybug and it was essentially having fun having a good time you embrace the time that you have and I mean don't get me wrong I was having a blast at the time loving life and it was just since that moment um, I've just felt a very different connection to nature now every time I see an animal like if a bird comes up to my balcony or a, a bug or something lands on my car or whatever it is, I'm quickly looking it up straight away to see what it means. Um, I'm not taking that as, you know, gospel, but it's, uh, it's really interesting because the animals that show up or the bugs that show up or whatever shows up in your life at the time has a very interesting correlation to what's actually happening um, in the world around you. And it's uh, so to answer the nature question, that's been a little practice of mine it's been a really fun practice and it's been a very interesting practice um recently but i say recently last couple of years um another part of the nature for me is i love the beach i love the mountains and i love kind of the deep jungle i love that deep jungle green color so i'm very attracted to that um i lived a year in france snowboarding and skiing I'm very at home in the in the snow and the mountains, and I've lived on the beach. I've grown up on the beaches. I'm very at home in the ocean as well. So I'm very blessed in that respect, also. So oh. I don't I don't fear very well in in cities. I've noticed <laughs> traveling around. Matt, talking about some of the animals. Uh, any specific animals that really have come into your life recently, or just even any power animals that you would uh, care to share about? Sure. Um, recently, I've had uh, several insects 
just uh, make their way into my path, meaning a variety of things, everything kind of from patience to survival to um, to looking at the long-term picture or the big picture, as it were. Also, uh, I've been told my power, power animal is a hawk. I have two or two slash three power animals, hawk, owl, and wolf. And hawk, I've been told, is the uh, the messenger between between different worlds, particularly the spirit world and, and this world. And I was told by a shaman in San Diego, not Paul, but a, a shaman in San Diego I stayed with back when I did CP3, that I'm a very old soul. And I'm a spirit messenger. I, um, oh, what did he say? I'm very good at communicating between worlds. Um, some will argue communicating in this world's a bit, uh, bit tricky, but I'll blame that on the miscommunication with the other worlds as well. So I have an excuse for that. Um, apart from power animals, um, I think it's very interesting because when I, when I douse, uh, with people when I try to connect to um, anyone who's done HLC2 can can um, relate to this when you do soul connection and you connect to someone else's soul I try and find out their soul uh, or their power animal their spirit animal totem animal however you want to call it and their personality of the, the totem animal is very usually very congruent with their personality and who and what they are as well it's um, it's always an interesting kind of realization with someone, and I found it with the, with several patients as well. I just sort of done it behind the scenes, and then kind of realized their, I suppose, the points to this to their to their animal, and come in from that angle, and it's it's been really interesting to see their response. And they're like, oh, how'd you know that? You've only known me for five minutes, and um, even treatments kind of. You come in from a certain angle, and it's uh, taken them by surprise, and they've um, it's been very effective on many levels. So, what does maybe uh, being an old soul mean to you? To <laughs> to me, it means apparently I've lived many, many, many lives. Um, I was told again by the shaman that I have uh, a very old soul. And we're here to live and relive and relive, um, and then finally realize that uh, this, our souls crave a, crave a physical body to experience life, to relearn what we've relearnt, you know, through our previous lives, or collective consciousness, as it were. And once we have finally realized that of who and what we are. We are then ready to to move on when we have physically exhausted all our cravings for all the physical things in this realm. We move on to the next one. What that means to me personally, um, I think it's kind of cool to be honest. Um, I kind of feel I see fellow old souls. I guess you'll we'll call it. We'll, we'll, I guess we can make a group of it now. Um, you can just spot them. I don't know how or why. It's just something that you feel. I'm very sensitive to energies, so 
I can be in someone's kind of energy field. I can tell kind of where they're at in their in their journey. Um, I don't know how to explain this in deeper. I could probably meditate on on it and give you a better answer. Um, so if we ever do this podcast again, I can give you a much deeper, <laughs> a lot better answer. But uh, if I'm in the presence of a younger soul, I can I can generally feel it. And the older soul, you can feel that as well. It just has a, it has a distinct, very distinct feeling. But uh, it's certainly a part of my journey. I'm happy to explore, and it's uh, it's just it's it's interesting. Yeah. So then, what is your vision for uh, a healthy future, like in this physical uh, realm, uh, for yourself, for for your family, for the world? What does that really look like? What it looks like to me, um, I would love to say it starts with the soil. I can only control that to a certain degree. Um, in the future, I mean, with my, I suppose, my future family, um, it would be growing my own produce as much as I could. It would be creating something um, that feels good quite simply it um, for me and my partner it would be just creating something that feels good to us and following that and assuming we had a baby not conditioning it not conditioning the baby to such a degree but just to encourage its own creativity I suppose and giving it some guidance as much as we can. Um, I kind of grew up in a, a fairly, I mean, I had very, very loving parents. Um, it was just that era that I suppose you were very influenced by television, uh, news, politics, blah, 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 religion as well, whereas I'd want... The freedom to create and not to be and to not be scared of who you are and to to go after what you want because essentially I, I feel that we're that we're here to live and to expand um, and I feel that we should be kind of nailed down by certain person's beliefs or um, ideas. I'm all for you know if it feels good, do it. That that it's that simple, really. I've had to learn that the hard way. Um, and if I can help someone else with that, then cool. That's why I'm here. So, are you growing anything right now? Then I'm actually growing. It's weird because um, where I'm currently living, it's uh, in the winter. We get more sunlight than we do in the summer but the the summer sunlight we get is really intense we get it from about 2 p.m and it's uh it's just turned summer here in sydney and it's bloody hot so it usually <laughs> burns everything um and we probably get three hours less daylight that we need to grow stuff so on my balcony the crop season has just been um 
cultivated and um, the seeds have been sown for the next season. But my mate, who's a chiropractor, uh, I've given him a lot of stuff that I failed to grow. But he's got a, he's got more sunlight available. So I'm kind of teaching him to farm some berries and some uh, some fruits, mainly the expensive ones to buy in the shop. So he's already. What got are some of those? Because I guess I don't know necessarily if, if fruits how they differ uh, between America, Australia, that type of thing. Right, so the berries here are just coming into season. So the strawberries and blueberries, they're quite, um, the organic stuff is quite expensive in Australia. I've noticed in the States it's a lot cheaper and a lot more readily available in, um, I can't say all of Australia, but just in Sydney. I'm in, if anyone knows Sydney, in Cronulla, that's a lot more, um, it's about an hour south of the city. So you have to go hunting a little bit more for your organic stuff which i'm happy to do i don't doesn't bother me but um i mean for example for a little punnet of strawberries it can cost up to ten dollars sometimes okay then and yeah so that that puts that yeah, in perspective right? a little bit yeah <laughs> so, so it's, yeah so it's uh it's a good encouragement to to grow your own stuff um and i mean i've grown strawberries before and they can happily easily last you you know a, a summer quite easily and he's got a mango tree at the back which will grow you know up 200 mangoes for the summer so if you just nurture the, the plants they'll you'll, you'll get plenty out of them um what else has he got he's got a few berries he's got some uh not kale i can't remember what it's called i'm just having a brain fart at the moment chard that's it yeah. chard and some silver beet he's got some of that growing He's also got a maniac dog that just love <laughs> just tearing the crap out of the garden. So um, I think he's put some stuff up for that. How that how effective that will be, Tom will tell. He's put the all the berries and stuff up quite high, so they're safe for now. Um, but when, yeah, when they're ready, he'll pick a nice little basket and, and give me some and. I'll give him a treatment in return, and yeah, it's uh, it's quite nice. The mangoes. That's one. Uh, I'm not quite in the uh, right. Uh, uh, what's the the difference? Right the zones. The zones. I guess they're, but they're they go by zones. Like you can grow one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, like all the way up. Uh, yeah, we can't quite do that. However, I I I picked. Uh, my last figs, uh, really, it was on Thanksgiving Day this year. Uh, my son, he was out back. We were playing, and I was kind of stripping the trees down, like just getting everything ready to hunker down for the winter. And there were still a couple that had ripened up on the one that I keep outside. So, hey, you never know. Hey, yeah, nature will just sort of give you the extra hand every now and then. But it's been such I a think, warm uh, fall for us, too. So yeah. that, that'll really affect it then. And like you said, when you're in, you guys are getting blazing hot temperatures that's going to really just scorch a lot of different things yeah we um it's really funny because my 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 balcony faces predominantly west a little bit of north as well so from about 2 p.m till about i think sun goes down around about eight it's just hot it's the hottest <laughs> part of the day and the plants gets, you know, a bit singed on the leaf a bit. And um, 
I mean, being a greenkeeper, well, no, I know how to grow stuff, right? But uh, to you know, to combat that, it's it's it itself can be quite hard. I mean, I don't have any crops as such on the balcony at the moment, but just even the, the plants I have, you know, I've got a few succulent, succulents, some um, some flowers, and a frangipani, and you can just see it. I mean, they cop the hard sun, but you know, there's only so much I can do about that. What was that though? You said a a frangipani. Frangipani. It's the one of the nicest smelling flowers ever. It's um, it's actually a, a branch that was cut from a couple of probably about ten years ago. My granddad died, and out the front of his place, he had a massive frangipani tree. Oh, you guys call it something different. I can't think of what it is. I had this discussion when I was over in San Diego in uh, <laughs> September. Um. And I had this exact debate because you guys called it something and myself and another Australian called it something else. We called it a frangipani. He goes, no, nah, it's this. And we said, no, nah, it's that. And it's the same thing. So that's to make sure just, just search for it. Yeah. I'm sure something will come up. Okay, cool. Yeah. It's uh, it's a very nice smelling flower. Uh, you know it exactly when you see it. And um, essentially, we you, you cut a branch, you put it in a pot and it'll start growing. So um, we all took a branch and potted it and so it kind of keeps him with us for, um, a little bit but uh, yeah not sure how I got onto that but yeah well and then I, I actually had, I had a couple questions like a couple last ones that I always ask people to come on the show then one is sure. who would you want to hear on this podcast and what is it that you would either want to ask them or just hear them talk about it depends who it was um, that's up to you yeah um Great question. I wasn't ready for that one. Thanks for that, Nick. Um, Anytime. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, if we're talking about health and wellness, I would say personally, um, I mean, it's always fun to get Paul check on online. Um, he can talk today, which is a, a benefit to everyone. And if you've heard what he's talking about. Um, on any given subject, you're always going to pick up something new, I guarantee it. Um, I'd like to hear Jean-Pierre Borel talk about his, you know, his um, his views on on health and the body. Um, Guy Voyer as well, if you can understand him. He's got an extremely thick accent. I could only understand him because I you know, lived a year in France, so I got the accent. Um Mark Buckley is another brilliantly-minded individual. He founded FMA. And I've uh, had Mark on. He was on, I had yeah. him on a couple months ago. That was that was a lot of fun because just some of the stuff he had wrapped up recently like or was just kind of working on. Uh, so we got to yeah, talk a cool. lot about that too. Yeah, he's cool. I hope, uh, hope I'll be working with him a little bit next year. Um, who else? Uh well, I, I think that still does. That, that's a pretty good base. That's, that's there. Right. Some, some of those right, have been yeah. certainly. Uh, I, I've been starting to reach out to Vidya uh, to try and get a hold of Paul to to get him on uh, that because, as you said with Paul too, it's. I I, I just kind of probably would do a ten second intro and just <laughs> let it go from there and enjoy the rest of the hour. hour pretty much, it'd be a journey. Just say Paul talk. Yeah. Strap yeah. your seatbelt in. Go. <laughs> uh, which is always certainly Absolutely. fun. Uh, yeah. Matt, in closing, though, where where can the listeners uh, find out more about you? Where can we go just to help you out with whatever it is that you're working on currently? 
Uh, I'm in I'm in Sydney, Australia, in Cronulla, more specifically. I do have a Facebook page, Peak Performance Institute. I also work at, <coughs> excuse me, a, uh, a massage slash acupuncture clinic called Inside Out Health Helmsburg. That's on Facebook as well. And my website, mattsorenton.com.au. Um, that's all my info. Um, I do it. I am on Instagram. I'm getting myself used to Instagram. I'm not massive on social media. My brain just doesn't work that way. I'm getting better. I'm getting better. Um, and that's Peak Performance Institute on Instagram. And uh, I try and post on there as often as I can kind of remember to do so. So, um, yeah, I'm just here to share as much useful information as I can. I'm not uh, out to get a billion followers. If I can help someone in their journey, like, you know, a lot of people have helped me in mine, then um, essentially that's why I'm here, just to, to help the make the garden a little bit nicer. Excellent, Matt. Well, thank you so much for that, everybody. Hey, check some of this stuff out. Uh, maybe maybe get a few more followers on Instagram there. Uh, Matt will start posting a little bit more and learn <laughs> who knows what else from him right like the the world uh, any requests i'll uh i'll, I'll do my best <laughs> excellent well thank you so much for that i i think everybody's really going to get a lot out of this and uh really appreciate what you shared anytime brother anytime Thanks again for listening, and don't forget to head over to BarenakedHealthPodcast.com to check out the show notes for today's episode. While you're there, go to my calendar and schedule a 15-minute call so we can discuss what is your biggest struggle when it comes to maintaining your health. Remember that I'm a holistic lifestyle coach, and the show is sponsored by you guys. Each of you that I work with helps me to be able to put out podcasts like this for free, so thanks again for your love and support. Finally, if the show has helped you out in any way, please head over to iTunes to give the Bare Naked Health Podcast a positive comment and five-star rating. This really goes a long way in getting the word out with how simple health can be and helping to share the podcast with others. So thank you. Mm-hmm.